father's table, an introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome back to the Father's Table. I'm your host, Keith, and I have a very special guest today. I'm on, um, well, today's episode, uh, it's it's really going to be cool. Um, it's going to be a lot of, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of twists and turns, but it's all going to make sense uh, because I have today um, Jacob, uh, who is a brother in the Lord. Um, for those listening that does not understand that jargon, basically he's a Christian. Um, I've met Jacob a few days ago um, at his baptism, and he shared a little bit of his story. And it was like spider my spider sense went off, and I had to talk to him. And he agreed to come on the show. It was really last minute. And while we're recording this, it's actually July 4th um, in the midst of COVID and things like that. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting uh, filming this or recording this show. So without further ado, uh, Jacob, do you want to introduce yourself? Share a little <laughs> bit about yourself? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I feel like this is such an honor. I've really enjoyed your last one and yeah, I think we're going to do some really good work for God's kingdom today. But yeah, so just a little bit of background. I'm about to be 29. <laughs> I've been saved for a little less than two years. Um, and I'm still in the very early stages of my sanctification process. I'm still learning a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm actually doing a uh, missionary trip right now. So I'm part of a uh, Christian church called The Well. And Desert's End, they're back in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm just doing some mission work down here, learning how to uh, abide in Christ, um, you know, live with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, we have our, <laughs> just like with any family, you know, you have your twists and your turns and you bump heads. But, yeah, it's great. And honestly, it's just, like I said, an honor to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and just a little background, that, that siren that you hear. That is, uh, we're in LA recording this, so that's just a common thing here. Um, so with Jacob, a little background about him. He was born, um, well, I don't want to give too much. I think we should just get into it, Jacob. But, but, <laughs> but before we do that, uh, I like to start off uh, doing this exercise. Um yeah, let's let's do this. I, okay. Let's let's start it this way in the beginning. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Okay. I want you to an answer them as fast as you can. Um, and they, these are mostly yes or no questions. But the first answer that comes to your mind, uh, I want you to share that answer. So I'm going to start my timer, mm -hmm. and I'm going to fire off these questions. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Are you a father? No. How many children uh, do you want, if you want any? Two. 
Do you keep in touch with your father? No. Is your father married to your mother? No. Do you have sisters or brothers of the same father? One sister. Okay. Is your father a reserved man? Very much so. Oh, okay. See, that was 30 seconds already. Okay, cool, cool, <laughs> cool. Uh, thanks for participating in that. I, I, I have to go a lot faster with the questions or give a lot more time. But basically, it's just to open up the conversation a little more. So now we're going to get into the interview. Okay, so I want you to close your eyes. Okay. Take three deep breaths. And when you're done... Tell me what comes to mind when you think about your father. Ooh, they're never good, right? <laughs> so the first one that came to mind was absent. And the second word that came to mind was non-existent. Mm. So uh, take me back to your childhood uh, now, I think in your bio that you sent, um, you said your father left when you left you when you were five. So before uh, you turned five, how was the early years of your life with your father around? How was he? Yeah, you know, I was just kind of doing a talk with my mom this morning because I was kind of like, hey, I really have a lot of memories of my dad, believe it or not. Um, I only have three of them, and um, I don't mind sharing them if you you know, don't mind listening, no, go, but no, go ahead, they're, sure. they're not very positive. Um, so the three memories I do have of my father, one was, um, I believe we were like, I don't know if we were like, like play wrestling or if we were in the middle of a game, but I remember I bonked my head against the wall and I started crying. And his response to me was, um, something along the lines, like, you know, stop being a sissy, like, you know, man up, something along those lines. Um, second memory I have of my father's, uh, it's a, it's a deep, intense one. Um, it's the day he left. Uh, I just remember my mom had just finished cooking a meal and, um, I don't remember what my father was upset about. I just remember he was upset. Like he wasn't in a good mood to begin with. Um, for some reason and my mom like presented like this dish and she was like trying to show him um, like trying to get his approval trying to see if he like liked it I think and um, he like smacked this um, dish out of her hand and then slapped her and um, my sister and I started crying and then he, he tells us to like you know like shut up and um, my mom immediately like picks up the phone and dials 911 and like he slams the phone down. Um, but I don't know if you knew this and people who are listening, but if you dial 911 and you hang up, they will call you back. And if you don't answer, they'll come to your house. Um, mm. I, don't, I think it's a, it's a legal, um, I guess legally they have to do that for like safety. So because she hung up after he smacked it out of her hand, um, he like within maybe five, 10 minutes, the police were knocking at the door and you know, they were, I remember they were arresting him. Um, I remember like the police woman, she was like, like, she was so sweet. She was like trying to like keep me and my sister, like, you know, distracted. She was like asking us questions about school and how old we were. And, you know, in the background, you can see the other two, 
cops arresting my dad and putting him in handcuffs. And yeah, that was the last day um, that I saw him and that saw him probably for like 10 years. So that was the last day for 10 years I saw him. And then the last memory I have of my dad, um, he actually wasn't in it, but I'll explain why it's tied to him. I remember, I think I was six, my first day of like preschool or sorry, kindergarten. And I had forgotten my backpack and I was on the bus and the bus was leaving like my neighborhood. And um, I remember looking out the window and I see my uncle, my uh, mom's brother, he's like running up, like, you know, next to the bus and he's like trying to flag the driver down and he gives me my backpack. But what stuck out to me in that memory was me specifically remembering like, why wasn't my dad doing that? Or like, you know, that should have been my dad running after me, you know, trying to get my backpack to me. So yeah, like I said, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't great memories, but those are the only ones I have of my, of my father. Gotcha. Thanks for sharing. Uh, of course. So your father was, was arrested and that was the last time you saw him. Now, yes. the confrontation between your mother and your father escalated mm -hmm. and he slapped the phone out and uh, mm -hmm. it, they followed procedure and they came in and took him away. Now, why was yeah. that the last time you saw your, your father? Did, did, what, did he go to jail or? Uh, no, he didn't get to, he went to jail for like, I don't know if it was like a few months or something. Um, but then he got out and immediately my mom had already started to file for divorce. So if I remember correctly, it was more like legally he had to stay away from us. And, um, he, I should have mentioned my dad was, um, not just an alcoholic, but he was like a heavy drug user and not just marijuana. Like, I mean, cocaine, crack, you name it. My dad was just like doing it all. Um, so he got out of prison. I remember my mom telling me that legally he wasn't allowed to see us, but also that he didn't want to be around us. Like he moved back to Michigan. So it was a couple of things, many factors, but yeah, mostly because my mom had filed for divorce and he just didn't want to be around anymore. So it sounds like it was like an abusive type of relationship before um, the whole cop incidents. Or mm -hmm. even the cop incident might have been uh, a frequent as well. Like maybe that wasn't the first time the cops were called. I, I mean, I don't know. You were five, right? But <laughs> so it, it's it seems like it was something building up, and then it boom, it exploded, and then yeah. the cops were called, and then your mom was like, you know, I've had enough. Um, so from that point, after your father was gone, uh, from that that time did you ever reach out to him like around let's say middle school how, how was your relationship with him like around the middle school time yeah no that's a good question so no i never reached out to him um but he did try a few times like reaching out to us um like i remember one time me and my sister both have our birthdays in july like they're super close to each other so i remember one summer he sent us like a package um, with a letter in it and like um, he had given me like a Toy Story towel and then my sister got like a Disney princess one. Um, I don't remember what the note said. It was something like, you know, I miss you. I love you. I'm sorry. Um, you know, but I'm here for you. Even though he wasn't ever like really there for us, he didn't pay child support. My mom had to work two jobs to pay for us. Um, so even though he gave us gifts in a way, it, I was like, 
how do I say it? It was like, I wasn't impressed because to me, action speaks so much louder than words. And just because like you're sending me a letter saying you're sorry and you miss us and you love us. Like, I don't really see that. A gift to me isn't going to like, that doesn't prove anything to me. (laughs) Right, right, right. I understand that. Um, So did your mother talk about your father at all? Did she like, like give him praise or did she like bad mouth him in his absence or she didn't speak about him at all? You know, God bless my mom. She is just, she's such a godly woman. She honestly never, ever talked anything bad about my dad. Um, I do remember like her being honest with my sister and I. So if we did ever have questions, she'd be like, yeah, your dad doesn't want to be around anymore. Um, I don't remember if she would say things like he still loves you or, you know, he, he's trying his best, you know, he has his problems, his demons. I remember her saying that sometimes. Um, but no, she never, never badmouthed him. She, um, she really, I, I respect my mom a lot. I love my mom. She did a really good job in just like being honest with us, but also, you know, helping me and my sister realize that, um, it's, it's almost like my mom showed us that if my dad was around, it would have been more toxic. It would have been like things would have just fallen apart um, faster for our family. So no, my mom, she gave she gave us a good, uh, as healthy of an image <laughs> of my father as she, as she tried to for sure. Did did your mother or father ever uh, tell you about how they met? Uh... How was that? What was the genesis of their relationship? Right. <laughs> so, okay. So I should have also backtracked. Um, I'm actually half Hispanic. Like I'm um, half Caucasian and half Hispanic. My mom is like, like pura Mexicana for anyone who's like Latin <laughs> listening. I mean, she's from um, Jalisco. She grew up in Guadalajara. She is like full Mexican. And my dad was just like, um, I believe he's, German descent and Irish a little bit. Um, so he's just really white. <laughs> gotcha. um, I believe, if I remember the story correctly, and I could be, you know, not, but I'll just say what I remember. Um, my mom had decided to leave Mexico and pursue college here um, in, in the States and do work. And I believe they met um, either it was a, I just remember it, her explaining that they met somehow like through her work that she was doing down here. And um, this is kind of weird. It's coming up now. So um, maybe it's like the Holy Spirit telling me to put it out there. But I do remember my mom telling me that when she met my dad, she had this feeling like, oh, look at this poor guy. Like he needs, he needs attention. He needs love. Like she, she said it like almost like she wanted to like baby him. Like she saw mm-hmm. what like a mess he was in a way. And she's like, oh, let me take care of him. I don't know why that stuck out to me, but I remember my mom telling me that. Um, and also my dad was um, fairly attractive, you know, uh, six foot tall, um, had, you know, dirty blonde hair, those sparkling blue eyes that my sister and I didn't get. <laughs> like we got everything <laughs> else but the blue eyes. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know, it was kind of like a Prince Charming effect maybe for her too. But I do specifically remember my mom telling me that when she met him, she felt like, oh, like I need to baby this man or, or like take care of him in a way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So baby, like baby him and then 
they started this relationship and then that led yeah. to marriage and then the kids yeah. came. Now, are you the oldest or are you the youngest? I'm actually the oldest. Yes. You're the oldest, years, so you're, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You born first, saw their relationship and yeah. it was like an up and down type of deal. And then mm-hmm. the arrest happened. Your father's gone. Yeah. You go to middle school, you're mm-hmm. growing up. Your contact with him in middle school wasn't there, uh, except yeah. for like a, you could remember getting a gift on a birthday. Correct. Um, so take me to high school. High school. How was your relationship with him then? Was it still non-existent? Um, and yeah. What type of challenges did you have to walk through without a father? No, yeah. Those are really good questions. Um, so if I remember correctly, the last time he... I should have mentioned he did come down one time. Like, I think it was my seventh or eighth grade year. So it was like the last year of middle school. Okay. He actually did come down um, for a day or two. Um, and I just remember him trying to, like, buy my sister and my affection. Like, he gave us, like, $100. And um, he's like, oh, go to the mall. Go spend it. Like, it's all on me. And, of course, my sister and I, you know, we got $100. We're like super excited we were like 12 13 like it's a lot of money for us but i remember in the back of my head thinking like um you know i still like i don't trust you i know who you are like in a way i was like it was almost awkward it was like this man that i hadn't existed and just came to say hi i was like i don't even know you um but did after he wanna, that event, did he, just to jump yeah, in did ahead. he want to did he want to connect when he came down did he want to explain things or did Or he came down as if nothing ever happened. Honestly, like nothing ever happened. Like he was just trying to cover up what he did. He didn't like try to sit us down and like explain, hey, I was a really horrible father or I was going through this or that and none none of that. He was just trying to buy our affection for sure. Gotcha, gotcha, Um, gotcha. Yeah, so not a positive experience. (laughs) Gotcha, Um, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, they're all not positive. Um, So moving into high school... Or actually kind of in middle school too, so I can start there. Um, I just remember, and it kind of, you know what, not to like backtrack too much, but like I feel like K through 12 is like like a huge chunk right there. So I kind oh, of please, go together. Ahead. Go awesome. Ahead, so I remember like really young, um, I think it started around first or second grade, um, that I started to feel like the absence of my father. Like I had love for my mom. And I had love for my sister, so, um, you know, I had no problem with women. I just, like, was craving that affection from a man, um, like my father. And I remember, and I hope this helps anyone um, who had these kind of thoughts, because I feel like we're we're too scared to share them, but I feel like they're really important. Um, So I remember in first grade, um, I had um, a classmate who was also a guy. And for some reason, like, I remember, like, craving, like, affection for him, from him. And it wasn't, like, um, sexual, because I was so young at that time. It wasn't anything, like, romantic. It was more, like, I really want, like, this guy to take care of me for some reason. I also remember he kind of looked like my dad. Now that I'm looking back at it, he kind of looked like my father. So maybe that there's some sort of, like, tie or similarity there. Um, But I just remember, like, have any thoughts like, oh my gosh, like I need affection from this guy or just any guy. And um, 
being being so in a way I knew those thoughts were like not okay I, I was like struggling to be like open about it um I, I never told my mom I never told anyone honestly until like right now so it's a little weird for me to talk about that um so that kind of those thoughts were in the back of my mind I did my best to try to repress them um that didn't really work so we get to like middle school um people uh I should also mention, obviously, and this has nothing to do with like um, me struggling with SSA or anyone from the LGBT community, because that's part of my story, um, if you haven't figured it out yet. Um, but like, I think this has to do with the fall. Honestly, I, my, my mom told me that since I was like three or four, since I started walking, I just had feminine attributes. Um, I was a little more uh, sensitive than other boys. I, you know, preferred not that it really matters, but I preferred pink over like blue. Um, I would, you know, spend time with like more of my girlfriends than any guys. I didn't play with trucks. I didn't like any of that stuff. Um, so that also, before my dad left, I started to show those kinds of things. So I don't think any of that has to do with my father. I just think that has to do with like a biological, um, like I feel like it has to do with the fall. To me, I see it as like the fall. Like that has everything. Right, right, right. right. But just because a man may have feminine qualities doesn't necessarily mean he's gay. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right, right. Too. Um, Which is the next part actually totally makes sense now that you mentioned that. So I get to middle school and because, um, you know, I'm not very confident in my masculinity um, and I was just demonstrating, you know, very feminine attributes, very feminine things. You know, I was an easy target for bullies. I mean, I was called gay. I was called queer. The other F word, that's a three letter one. (laughs) And I was called a lot of things. And, um, you know, I think looking back at it now, having more wisdom, like biblical wisdom, I honestly think what happened was because of the bullying and because I was going through puberty at that time, I think, and I've heard this with other testimonies from people leaving LGBT community or struggling with um, LGBT or SSA, um, which also- What's SSA, what's SSA for no, people? Great one, dude, yeah. <laughs> it's um, same-sex attraction. It's Same-sex attraction, okay, yeah. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I, being, you know, constantly tormented by kids um, I mean, I remember one time I had, like, these kids literally, like, pick me up and, like, throw me into a dumpster and, like, just, like, say a bunch of, like, hurtful things to me. Um, what grade was it? That was probably sixth grade. That was my first year of middle school. I went to one where sixth, seventh, eighth grade was middle school. Um, That's my first year of middle school. I remember that. It's a shame that kids are could be that cruel. And, yeah. it, and it makes you question the parents of these children, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's all connected, right? Like to, to bully a kid, one, to make fun of a kid and then to pick them up and throw them in a dumpster. It's like, what, yep. where are they getting this stuff from? <laughs> like, I don't understand that. I don't but, <laughs> You know, that, that's a whole nother conversation, but uh, go ahead, please continue. No. Yeah. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. So I think, what happened was because I was just so tired of the bullying and because I was going through these 
um, thoughts like, well, I'm not very masculine. And, you know, I, I'm somehow, I don't know why at the time I didn't understand, but I'm like, I don't know why I'm craving affection from a man. Maybe these kids are right. Maybe I am gay. Maybe I am um, supposed to just, and in a way, looking back at it, I think the way I tried to run away from all of it was to kind of just accept it and be like, well, maybe I am. So if I just accept that I'm gay, then the bullying will stop. And, you know, like the names will start hurting. And in a sense, it did. <laughs> you know, I, as soon as I came out, I think I came out my senior year, honestly, my last year of high school. Um, now, can you yeah. explain to the listeners if they don't know what coming out is? Of course, yeah. So coming out in the LGBT community just means someone who's openly declaring that they're um, homosexual or, or bisexual or, or any of those. I mean, there's so, there's so many now. But yeah, it's just openly admitting that you are um, part of the LGBT community. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you said you came out in high school, your senior year. Now, yeah. your father, uh, where was he that year? Where, was he still, he was still was gone, right. but did you call him? You're 18, you're a little mm-hmm. bit older. Did, were you, did you call him frequently or not? Still bad relationship, no contact? Yeah, no, definitely just no contact at all. I, you know, after the last time he visited, I was just so disheartened by all of it. I just was like, in a way, looking back, I think I saw that like my dad doesn't exist. Like he's just not there. There's no point in trying to reach out to someone who doesn't care and doesn't exist to me. Like he just didn't exist. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it wasn't, in, looking back, it wasn't like I was angry. Like I never hated my dad. I was just more frustrated that like he wasn't there. I, I was angry that he just wasn't a father in that sense. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, but no, he. I did not reach out to him. Um, I came out just to my mom and my sister. Um, they were the first people I came out to. But how'd your mom and your sister react? You know, um, in a way, they were um, very supportive and loving. Like uh, my mom... She's a devout Catholic. She grew up with um, Catholicism. It's very, very common in Mexico. Um, so I actually had a talk with her in about a year ago after this. But my mom, when I came out, uh, she was like, yeah, I love you. I'm still here for you. Um, but my mom was like secretly praying for me to be like delivered from it. Um, you know, she was supportive in the sense that like she didn't ever like cursed me out she never ignored me she stayed loving very affectionate um never even when i would share things um there's cars in the background la um <laughs> and you know she she never stopped loving me um and supporting me as her son and in spite of all of that you know i she told me that she was secretly praying for me and you know asking god to to kind of deliver me from those um feelings gotcha gotcha that's, that's really, okay, it's really interesting mm-hmm. that you told her and she said, I'll support, and then she was praying, and they were supporting you as as uh, a mother and a son. Now, you went from high school, you went to college. Yeah. Uh, now, how was your relationship with dad, like your freshman year of college? Uh, was still non-existent? It was gone. Just- <laughs> <laughs> 
it was just no, no, no. So, okay. So, but, but in that time, I guess you went deeper into the community of the LGBTQ. Oh right? yeah. And definitely. Now how did, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I was just saying how, how did that play out? What, what happened? What were you exposed to? Was it just a whole new world or right. how did that look? No, yeah. Like, I was just going to say, you know, with anyone, when you go to college, it's just, you branch out. There's just so much, there's so much, so many more opportunities. I mean, I joined my first official, like, LGBT club. Um, I went to Scottsdale Community College for two years. I was very active in the LGBT, um, I, I don't remember, I think it was the club, honestly. But yeah, I was part of the LGBT community. Um, not necessarily... When I say active, I don't mean like I was like part of like, you know, gay pride parades or um, like doing um, part of like no hate or anything like that. I was just active in the sense that like I had a lot of gay friends. I was very open with people that I was gay. Um, you know, I hung out with a lot of people from the gay community. Um, but, you know, I should mention that the whole time I'm just like very um like there's a hole in my heart. Like I just was not, I didn't feel loved, even though I had my mom and my sister and I had friends. Um, I just felt unloved because there was this sense that like, you know, I didn't, I felt uncomfortable with the fact that I wasn't, I hadn't received love from a man. And it was like, I wasn't processing it at the time. Like it was kind of like, um, because I had just been so hurt by bullies and, uh, traumatized by all that abuse I was stuck on this thought that like I just need to find like a boyfriend I just need to find this man um, because right. then when I do I'm gonna like be complete if that makes any sense no that, that, that makes sense as you were saying that I was just thinking about the roles of a father uh, remember when I was in um, I must have been in high school mm -hmm. and I was at a no no, I think I was in middle school because I didn't play on the high school basketball team. I got cut. <laughs> uh, but uh, I played on the middle school team. And I, I remember my dad came to one of my games. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was this one kid. He was pushing me and we were pushing each other. And um, my dad got up and came over there and he broke us up. And he put me, you know, I was really just about to cry, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to fight. You, when you're young, you're about to cry. And oh, you, yeah. At the same time, you think you're about to fight him. Uh, <laughs> I was like that, and he, he pulled me to the side. He calmed me down. And I felt as though he was, he was there to protect me. Um, and I, I think that is one of the, um, if not one of the most vital roles of being a father is to protect the children. Yeah. Um, and I could only, I, I mean, I really would not want to imagine if I could, just imagine the the vulnerability of not having a father, how vulnerable you are to bullies, how vulnerable you are to people on the street. There's no wall. There's nothing to go through. So they're just getting right to you, all this stuff, life hitting you, and you don't know how to process it. There's nobody there to explain it. There's nobody there to shoo it away or right. fight it. Right. And you're just getting hit, and it's like, what the heck is going on? My life sucks, and and I and I get that. So, I so I brought that up to say to you, I, I could definitely, I I could definitely feel feel that what you're saying. There's a lot coming at you. There's no yeah. man there to say, right. hey, 
you know, what's going on? Because kids are vulnerable. They yeah. need protection, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. and especially if there's these feelings and you're trying to, hey, what's going on with my life? Right. And it's not there. And uh, I could, that's, that's got to be tough, man. That's got to be tough. So you were looking for, I would say, it sounds like you were looking for that sort of protection too from a man. Like, hey, yeah. somebody yeah. <laughs> fill this void. And uh, that that's, that's, yeah, man. Go, go ahead. Please finish. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, you were totally on the money about the protection thing. Um, I feel like you worded it. Like I couldn't, like, I have so many feelings sometimes. I just can't think. I'm a very feely person. I'm not logical. Yeah. You know, any one of my roommates could tell you I'm, I'm all feelings. Um, yeah. But no, you, you got it. You hit it right on the nail. Um, I just didn't have that like protector. Um, and because I was still in a way traumatized and experiencing PTSD from all the bullying and, you know, like the guilt and shame of like, and like, I didn't explain this, but I had deep guilt and shame for being gay. Like I was like, I would say, Oh, I'm gay. But then I would just feel this like tug, like, Oh my gosh, like, no, like that's not okay. Um, so yeah, I was going through so much emotional trauma at that time that of course I got into drugs and, um, by drugs, I mean marijuana. I mean, as soon as I found Mary Jane, she was my best friend. We got <laughs> we got along very well, me and Mary Jane. Um, you know, because I had that hole in my heart, and I wasn't um, and had the guilt and the shame. And um, I think a lot of it has to do um, also with my my mom being Catholic. I had a very loose understanding of Jesus. But I had enough of an understanding to know that it wasn't okay to do what I was doing. Um, there was always that like conviction in the back of my mind that like, you know, this is something that you need to like, like, this is not okay. <laughs> like, we got to work this out. Um, but of course, you know, I found after finding drugs, I just, I just shut down. I numbed all that pain, numbed all those thoughts. And um, I don't know how long it took me. But um, I, I think it took maybe four, four years after I started smoking um, that I actually found myself in the new age community. And we can, we can sub, we can, you know, sub away into that conversation. Oh, yeah. So to walk me into that. Now, that sounds like you, did you find that in college or was, it, <laughs> was that post-college? That's actually post-college. So I got my associates at um, SEC. Okay. Then I actually just caught up. I just was doing fast food at that time just to make money on the side. Mm -hmm. And um, after the two years of college, I just stopped going to college and just started working full time in fast food industry. Um, and because what, uh, what restaurant did you work at? Oh, I've worked at so many restaurants. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I'll be honest with anyone listening. I was just working because I wanted money to pay for like my drugs. And yeah, <laughs> so I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, I didn't care where I was working. I just wanted that weed. Um, yeah, you know, I. But there was between twenty four, twenty five. Um, I've always been spiritual. I should have mentioned that too. But um, I had this tug in my heart, like, hey, like, like spiritually, I was like, I need to find an answer, and I was just no. misled. Or, go ahead. No, you said so. Spiritually, trying to find an answer now. Right. During that time, yeah, did anything try to push you to reconnect with your dad at that time? 
Because it sounds like hmm. you were going to college, left school, picked up a drug habit, you wanted mm-hmm. to smoke and get high. Yeah. And it seems like it was going down, down, down. Now, did you say, hey, listen, maybe I should talk to my dad or or you or did you have some sort of like anger with him at that time? No, that's a, that's a good question. Um, no, it's definitely more like it was more like he didn't exist. It was like, why am I? I didn't even think about now that I'm looking back at it. I never had thoughts like, oh, reach out to your father. In the back of my mind, I think I just knew that that he was gone. Like he was just not going to be there. And I had resentment that um, he had failed as a father. So I, uh, I wasn't angry at him. I was just like angry at like his actions, like him not being a father. I never hated my dad and I still do not hate my dad to this day. Um, now I have to ask this. Um, yeah. Have you spoken to your father recently? That's a, no, it's fair. Um, I will be honest. My dad actually uh, passed away um, about four to five, four or five years ago. Oh and man! Actually, the same year I got caught up in New Age. Um, so, in a way, looking at it right now, I don't remember which was first. I don't remember if. I experienced the heartbreak um, of realizing my dad was gone forever and then trying to find spiritual answers. Or I don't know if I got into new age first and then I just found out my dad was, um, you know, had passed. I don't, I don't remember. I'm honestly a foggy memory. And <laughs> I, feel like Do you, <laughs> I understand. I, I can tell you about my stories, but that's another time. Uh, do you remember the day you found out the news or how did you get the news? Keep what we do that. No. Yeah. That's a, wow. That's a good one. I didn't think that would come up. I do remember that day. It's like, um, it's actually one of the most vivid memories I have. Um, I remember I woke up, I was, um, I was working at Jimmy John's. I don't know if we have Jimmy John's out here in Los Angeles or anyone listening. Yeah. I think there's a Jimmy John's. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I was working as a delivery driver at that time, you know, um, I remember I woke up and I was living with my mom, my sister, um, and I was eating breakfast and my mom, I could tell like, cause she walked into the kitchen. There was like this, like, um, it was like the energy just shifted there. Was, I was like, Oh my gosh, like she's going to drop a bomb on me right now. And she sat down and she was like, um, you know, Jacob, um, I have something to tell you. And I was like, yeah, what's wrong? And she's like, I remember her kind of like looking down and like, she didn't want to look at me. She kind of like was, I don't know if she was scared or she was, you know, sad or just didn't know what, how to expect or was processing something. But she goes, she want you to know that your father passed away this morning. And um, like, I don't remember what she said because she kept going, but all I heard was like, your dad passed away. And it's like those scenes in those movies where like that, like that, ringing sound gets so loud and like yeah oh, yeah you're just in total shock so right. what happened i was just like i couldn't hear what she was saying um and i think i was almost i don't know if i was running late or if i was already late to work so i had to rush my breakfast i had to i remember like getting in the car i'm still like in this like cloud of like shock i was like my dad's gone 
and I, I didn't know what I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what to think. There was just so much going on. I think I was just in this total state of shock. Um, I remember getting into work, and my <laughs> my manager at that time. She was a very affectionate person, um, but also she's the kind of person that like when she asked you, "Hey, how are you doing?" She's like literally asking you like what's on your heart, and she's really good at getting to like you know the details. And I just wasn't prepared for that. So I walk in and she's like, hey, because she could tell that I was like a little off. And she's like, hey, like, like, what do you have? Like, what's going on? Like, what? Like, you look really sad or something like that. And I just like remember breaking down. Like, I've never bawled like that before in my whole life. Mm. And um, it was it was kind of like it was kind of heartbreaking because Jimmy John's has super at that time. They had super strict like uh, work rules. So like I was already on the clock, so I couldn't go home. So I had to like work through that whole shit, like the whole shift, like crying, like a baby, like delivering, I mean, having like tears run down my snot from my nose and stuff. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a great memory, but I just remember being, thinking like, why am I so affected by this? Like, why am I so sad? Like, I don't remember me ever, like my dad was gone. Like I thought he was like non-existent. And now that he's like literally gone, all these like feelings of like, um, anguish came out and I was like I don't understand where that came from um, I think all the all the pain that was repressing and like I said I was smoking a lot during that time and um, I think I was just hiding so much of my disappointment that he just wasn't around like my like the pain of not having a father like really didn't how did how did he pass away well my dad did a lot of heavy drugs and alcohol if I remember correctly they um I don't remember if it was heart failure or if it was something with like liver or something failed. And um, if I remember correctly, he they actually found him dead in an alley or something mm-hmm. like that. And then they told my grandma, who's um, um, the mother of my dad, and then she's the one that called my dad. So he had passed away. Um, you mean called your, called your mom? Correct. Sorry. My, <laughs> yeah, my mom. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got the news. Um, I, I will say, I don't, I do know my dad, I don't know if he was a believer or not towards the end. My grandma did send us a letter saying that he had found Christ. Um, but then again, I told you like in the beginning of this podcast that actions speak so much louder than words. And, um, you know, he hadn't ever reached out again. He never, um, you know, I don't know where my dad is. I know that's something that um, that's between him and the Lord. And um, yeah, but it was it was devastating nonetheless. So I'm sorry to hear that, man. Thank you. Uh, that's tough. I, I my dad died uh, in a similar way, not not by drugs, in my understanding, but just like a sudden call. Gotcha. And that's it. Um. So from that point, you went. In deeper into new age yes yeah now now what was that like and i guess you were trying to f- find some fulfillment right in what was happening right so yeah i got into new age you know i started very like kind of like testing the water a little bit because even though my dad was gone and well i mean he was dead and i was still doing drugs obviously i still had a father wound I wasn't you know I wasn't a Christian I didn't really I didn't know Jesus at that point 
So that hole was there. That Jesus-shaped hole in my heart was just there. And it was like darker <laughs> and scarier than ever. So because I had this like weird calling or like um, maybe it was the Holy Spirit at the time, I was like, I just knew I had to spiritually look for answers. Um, but at the same time, because of all the trauma I went through in high school and all that stuff, I, I was still set on this mindset like, I need to find a man. Like I need to find a boyfriend. I need to find this like, and I almost say like soulmate kind of thing. Like I just need to find this guy. I was like, I need to find him and that's it. Um, so I actually started um, doing astrology first. That's how I got into new age. Um, and it was so, and looking back now, it's just like really interesting story of how that happened. I literally walked into a bookstore like a few months after my dad died and um, some lady had like was like, "Hey, you look like you could be an astrologer," and I don't even know how or why she thought that. It was really weird. <laughs> hands me this book, and it's like the complete guide to like understanding astrology. So like, I take it home, and I'm not gonna lie, I was like super into that stuff, you know, like you know, stars and the planets all predict my personality, and in a way. I mean, it's, they're all lies, by the way. Anyone listening, astrology is just complete bogus. Um, but at that time, because I was just not only searching for, like, love from my father, I was also searching for like, spiritual answers. And going through astrology, um, everything is kind of, like, in a way, um, like, mapped out for you. So when I would read certain things in my, in my birth chart, as we called it for astrology, anyone listening to that, um... I would see things like, oh, like, this is why my dad left, because this planet was in this position, and, um, but, like, the, the false safeguard that it gave me, or the false hope, was that um, it was all meant to be, like, oh, the stars have already predicted it, so, like, don't take it so seriously, like, oh, and astrology is really tied into, like, past lives, and reincarnation, and I started getting these thoughts, like, oh, I'll see my dad again in heaven. Or like, um, oh, like, this is just like a, I've lived so many lives. I just need to like learn to live without a father in this one. Like really bogus, crazy ideas. But because astrology is just so enticing, it has that like, um, I call it like, um, it just has, it has glitter. It's like that glitter where it's like really like in your face and shiny and it captures mm-hmm. your attention. But at the end of the day, it's just like it's totally fake. Um, it has no, there's no true substance to it. but because I was, you know, desperate for, like, love from a man and from, like, a spiritual answer. And I was still smoking at that time. <laughs> I just wasn't right. clearly. So through the astrology that you went deeper into New Age. Yes. Now, did, did you go deeper into drugs? And the reason why I ask that mm-hmm. is because I, I don't know if this is, like, a requirement to be a new ager, but it seems like a lot of new agers are on like LSD or something like that. Is that like a yeah. thing? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's totally a thing. You're right. I was like, I don't know if I should tell them. So I didn't get into like hard street drugs, but I didn't, I did get into a little bit of psychedelics. Um, yeah. There's this belief in new age that if you take those drugs, it like it opens your Oh my gosh, like your third eye, or I don't remember what they're like, your chakra or something like that. And yeah, these enlightenments. And yeah, I did. Um, not, See, I think, but no, go ahead. I'm sorry, cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. 
uh, I did a little bit of um, shrooms and I did think I did one time something like acid, but they were like in the most, maybe four or five incidents, but like marijuana was the drug that I was like, that's my girl right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think honestly, I think some of those drugs you are tapping into like a spiritual realm, it, but yes. it's not the way God would have you to. Right tap in there's a way to tap into the spiritual realm the right way yeah and i believe these drugs you're doing it the wrong way uh but that that's just my own little uh thing on that totally. uh but so you're on that your father passed died of drugs mm-hmm. you were doing drugs mm-hmm. uh different things new age mm-hmm. well, how was how how did your mom respond to all this I knew you were going to ask. Yeah, my mom, you know, she loved me through it all, but it was all, like, in spite of what I was doing. My mom was very, very anti-New Age. I mean, I, I, I remember her, like, I would be in my room reading my astrology book, and she would come in and be like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing? Like, put that down, grab a Bible <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, she would always, my mom has such a, and I know she's Catholic, and I know there's, I know the theological difference between a Christian and a Catholic, so um, anyone listening, please pray for my mom, and anyone in that deception, um, but my mom did always have that, like, like connection to God, where she put God first, and mm-hmm. would always remind me and my sister, like, the most important relationship you, you're ever going to have is with God. Um <laughs> And it's true. My, my mom just did not approve of any astrology. I remember trying to like read her chart to her and she'd be like, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Crap. Um, yeah. My mom didn't buy any of that. Um, she just not wasn't so, she loved me through it. Like I said, cause she's, she's a great mom. She's a fantastic mom. I love my mom. I'll props to her. Yeah. Um, but- I, I know moms have, have a, it, it's tough for moms to to be. It's I know it's tough for single mothers. Um, yeah. Just knowing oh, yeah. or just observing my wife, uh, how she deals with my son, and it's hard for women to switch from discipline yeah. to nurturing to discipline. So it's, it's hard to do that because the kid, they don't. You know, yeah. they'll just pull on your heartstrings and they don't care. Right, and um, it's it's tough to wear those hats. Um, that's why the father is very important. Um, so through that time, mm-hmm. you said you came to a realization and the knowledge of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and you got reconnected to your father in heaven. Um, yes. did you, how did how, walk me through that and what happened to you when that happened? Yeah, no. So this is where it gets kind of intense actually. So I'll try to like, not make it the hour long version. I'll try to give you like the <laughs> 10, 20 minute version. So, um, as I'm playing with astrology, um, I'm also at the same time still looking for that guy. I'm still like totally convinced that the only way I'm going to fix that hole in my heart is if I find that guy, like he has to be that guy and not even like my dad or Jesus at this point, I'm just so stubborn and stuck on that one thought. Um, and I should add, I think at the same time, I think it was a prideful issue. I think also because I spent so much time and energy on that, I didn't want to give it up. It was like a pride thing. So if anyone 
can relate to that. I hope it helps you. So it's a pride mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. So getting deeper into astrology, um, I from there when astrology didn't give me like the answers, obviously that I was looking for, like that. Um, it didn't give me Jesus, obviously. I was like, okay, I gotta try more. So I actually got into um, like angel cards. They're like tarot cards. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're called angel cards because they're all like happy and like really good messages and started doing readings for people. And um, I'll be honest, I got into, I, in a way, because I've always been sensitive and I've always been empathic, but I started to receive messages from what I really believe to be like my quote unquote spirit guides, people who don't know that what that is. In the new age, it's a belief that like, because we live so many lives, we have people on the other side assisting us, like either like loved ones that have passed or like loved ones from like other lives. So like I'm doing these cards and I'm getting readings and they're like, oh yeah, like your man is right around the corner or like keep going because like he's coming. And at the same time, I'm also like doing this for other people because I'm actually helping other people. So there was a sense of like, I'm doing, I'm doing good, quote unquote, because I thought I was helping people. But at the same time, I was doing it selfishly because I was like, I need to find this guy. Looking back now and reading the Bible, <laughs> I realized that they were all demons. I was absolutely talking to demons the whole time that were pretending to be my guides. Um, mm-hmm. They were just, you know, they don't appear like demonic at first. You know, the Bible says that even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So they came off very like, and I, I didn't see them. It was more like I, like I would hear them or like I would um, feel their presence and get like a message either telepathically or I remember like meditating. I was really into that stuff too. And I would close my eyes and get a message or like I would see something. Um, and there is truth to that. So let me just speak on that. Anyone any age too, there is a truth to that, but it's not from like God. Like it's like there's a truth to all those messages. Um, I just... You know, demons can also give you messages. They're fallen angels, so they have that capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is that they're not sovereign and they're not God. So obviously, God is still always in control, um, and God always has like the even like demons can't see what God sees, so they can just see what you can see. So like obviously, they could see that I was desperate for like a love from a man. And, you know, I was, you know, confused with my sexuality. So they're like, let's just, you know, attack that and give him this false hope. Um, So I got into, um, I was continuing being promised, hey, like this guy's right around the corner. And year, like year passed and year passed and this guy wasn't coming until finally he did come. And um, I can even speak on his name. That's cool. I don't mind. Um, His name is Nathan. And what like threw me off guard and I thought he was the answer was because when I met him, um, it was exactly the way that like my guides had promised me it would happen. So because I'm just so convinced, you know, I'm brainwashed at this point that like, oh, these are actually like real um, angels talking to me. I believed it. And I thought that was from God. And I thought that was God talking to me. I thought that God was in a way affirming it was okay for me to be gay and um that like that man was the answer like he's it like you know good job like you worked really hard (laughs) here's your reward um you know so 
here's where it kind of fell apart is when the angels did, or the quote unquote angels, the demons actually, had promised me that he would be like the answer. But within like two weeks of meeting this guy, he had like, um, he had completely just like broken my heart. And by broken, I mean like I, I remember specifically sharing so much with him and being open about stuff. And there was like one day where I just woke up and like we had been friends on Facebook. We had been friends on like um, different social media platforms, completely gone. Not just like deleted me or like unfriended me. He blocked me, just left. Um, and I never, like he never even like replied back. I was like, hey, what's going on? Just ghosted me. Um, I was just, there was so much, I guess, expectation and hope that I had put on this guy that when he just like totally just ghosted me, I mean, my heart was broken. I was like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? I thought this was the answer. Like I thought this was it. And now it's not here. So. And once again, a man has left your life. Yes. You know, an abortion man. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know what? That's right on the money. It just triggered me again. Totally triggered me. Um, so now I'm still in new age. I'm, I'm still like, okay, well, let's try something else. Let's try to find someone else. But in the back of my mind, I had this thought like, okay, like, see, this was why you need Jesus. Like, I just had these thoughts come up and tried so hard to push them away. But, you know, after he broke my heart, I was like, okay, like, there's, there's, there's gotta be something else going on here. Um, something like demonic in a way. And I wasn't ready to admit it because like I said, it was a prideful issue. I spent so much of my time and energy and money. I spent so much money in the new age. Oh my gosh. For those who are listening right now, New age is where you make your money. There's a reason why they're rich. It's because the devil, like you work for the money or you work for God and they all work for the devil. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to speak out on the new age. I'm very, very like adamant, like let's knock this down. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this out because this is the truth. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what's up, man. That's good. <laughs> um, I, it's an amazing story. Um, so, it sounds like that in the back of your mind, it was like, okay, you need to find Jesus. So take me to that moment. Like what happened there? Yeah, totally. So um, there were just little bits in here, but the exact moment that I knew I needed, or I started to think, okay, like Jesus is the answer was, um, I don't know if it was because he had broken my heart and I was just in a very vulnerable state not emotionally, but just like spiritually as well. Um, I started to receive like demonic attacks. Um, and by attacks, I, I literally mean like in demons, like they were real. Like I remember, um, it's like so vivid to me because it's like crazy this happened. Um, I, I, I went to bed. Um, I fell asleep in the living room. I don't know why, but when I sleep at my mom's house, I like to sleep in the living room. I don't know what that is, but... It was a safety thing. So I fell asleep and I had the TV on. And um, when I I had woken up from my sleep, and I say awake because I was awake. I wasn't in a dream. So like I woke up and like I have like I'm facing like my I'm facing the TV, but my side is on the couch. So like I'm just looking at it and at like, you know, um, a cricket angle, but I'm staring right at the TV. 
And as soon as I wake up, I'm like completely paralyzed. Like I can't move. And by move, I mean, I can't even like, like I, it felt like a, if someone had poured cement on my body and it was drying quickly, like I couldn't even like move my eyelids to like see side to side. I was just staring right at the TV and I couldn't move. It's like the most frightening, it's one of the most frightening feelings to wake up and want to move and not be able to. It's crazy how like scary that feeling is. Um, so I'm just staring at the TV and it, I was on Netflix and I don't know if you guys have remember the Netflix like wait screen when like you're, you're done watching a show and then it's mm-hmm. red and you see Netflix. So I'm looking at the TV and all of a sudden like the Netflix thing goes away and it's just like bright red. The TV is like bright, like it turns blood red and like the, the light emit like kind of like made the whole room look like it was blood red and it was so bright and like so rich and so deep in a way that like the light from the tv made the whole room look like it like were, there were blood on the wall or so like it was really intense and i start hearing this buzzing um like like there were bees buzzing in my ear like a vibration um and it was really intense it kind of felt like i was being shot like those um um, like those games at the Peter Piper pizza where you put your hand on the bars and it sees how, like, if you can handle the shock value. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not like that, but like really intense and all over my body. Um, and as this is happening, I'm literally just watching this like, like burnt Freddy Krueger looking demon crawl out of the TV. And it's like, like, it's like crawling on its like belly and it's like making its way to me. Are you serious? Wow. Like as it gets close to me, like right before it grabs me, and this is what this is what trips me out, is I didn't wake up. I just like snapped out of the position I was in. And then like it all disappeared. And I it it wasn't like I opened my eyes. So I'm I'm very aware that I was awake. In some sense I was awake. I wasn't dreaming. It wasn't like I made it up. It wasn't like I, you know. I'm going to make it very clear that I just snapped out of the position and I'm still looking at the TV, but it's all gone now. Like it's just Netflix again. Um, but I like, I could still feel it in the room. Like there was this like heavy tension in the room. And I was thinking, okay, well that was really weird, <laughs> but maybe, you know, I, my mom used to say, if you fall asleep with the TV on, it affects your, your, your brain. I'm, there's truth to that too. So I'm thinking, okay, let's go to my room. Maybe I'll stop. <laughs> so I try to fall asleep again in my room and I have no TV in there. Um, and I fall asleep and I wake up again and I'm awake. And I'm completely paralyzed again. And this time it like, as soon as I wake up, I can see the creature like on the corner of my, like my room. And it was kind of like just hanging there. Like it wasn't even standing. It wasn't even like floating. It was like hanging on the wall. Like it was like, like, I don't know, like a, like, insect or something just like waiting to like pounce on me and you know the vibration starts again and then this thing starts to like crawl on the wall towards me and I don't remember this is the part where it gets kind of weird I wasn't able to speak like I was just frozen but somehow some way I had like a telepathic um like I could hear him and he could hear me telepathically which is why I'm very convinced. And I know that the spirit guides that I was talking to were all demons. Um, it was just talking to me in my mind. So like, as it's crawling towards me, I'm like asking it questions. I'm like, Hey, like, like, what are you, what are you doing? 
and he's like, I'm here for your soul. And I'm like, like, why? Like, like I freaked out, like, why? And he's like, Now, can I pause you right there now? Now, you said that you went back to your room. Yeah. Tried to fall asleep. Yeah. And it wasn't. See, because because the thing is, I I read about sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. and I don't I I think they try to explain it in a scientific way. But I think there's there's an element to it. They don't know. Exactly. Because it's like, okay, you're awake, but you're half sleep. But I've had sleep paralysis before, but I've never had anything like that happen. See, I've, every 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 time I've had, I just couldn't move. Right. And it would feel like something's on me. And it's a very scary feeling. Yes. Um, but I never saw like a creature, let alone talk to a creature and say, okay, what? That's never had. And that to me, that is definitely spiritual because it's it's mm-hmm. no way you can, especially if you're not dreaming. Exactly. Because if you're dreaming, you're asleep. You know that you're in a dream. But sleep paralysis, you you know that you're awake. It's right. not, it's it's a, I'm up. <laughs> I can't move. <laughs> so maybe it's like a merge between like the spiritual realm and being uh, conscious. I, I don't know. I, I haven't studied it. But uh, right. go ahead. Please continue. What you said, because honestly, people need to know um, that there, there's a, a very, very dark spiritual element to sleep paralysis. It's not just scientific. It's not just in your head. There's something more to it. Um, so yeah, as this thing is like, you know, like lunging towards me, I just remember it being like, yeah, I'm here for your soul. And I was like, why? And he's like, this is the last thing I understood was he said, because you're gay. And then I was like confused because I remember trying to respond something like, but wait, I thought God loved all his children. And then I just didn't understand what he was saying. Like it was Latin. Like I just remember like, like if I don't remember, I did not understand what he was saying. And then like as he's like like right there, like on my face, like I snap out of it. And um when you say snap out of it, you like I moved. Did you kind of like you you so you were were you when you're on your oh, back? Yeah. I'm like looking up. I'm not looking up, correct. Yeah. So it's like yeah. on my face. So like I snapped out of it by like like literally like with every ounce of strength I had like just pulled my neck to the side to snap out of it. But like I said, my eyes were still open. Um, it wasn't like I awoke. Like I wasn't like I opened my eyes and now I'm not dreaming. It was like I was awake the whole time and I'm snapping out of like whatever um, hold that was on me and stuff. Gotcha. Uh, so that that right there, obviously, it was so traumatizing to me that I, um, after that event, could not sleep for like weeks. In months and what I mean by that is like I had such bad insomnia because I was so scared and I knew that, that it was gonna attack me again at night that like I would I remember the longest I ever went and this is like not even like scientifically like possible at some way but there was a day, like a time where I went like five days without sleeping and I was like losing my mind losing my mind like um I was doing research on this but like when you don't get sleep like it really, it really affects you. I was like hallucinating. Um, I was hearing things. I would like, I remember like hearing, it was almost like if my, my brain was like a, like a radio station and you could just turn it like a, like a the knob and it would switch to something else. I didn't know what I was listening to. I would hear 
like a family talking. I sometimes I would hear people screaming. Um, sometimes I, I would hear people like laughing or like having normal conversations, but they're nowhere around me. There's like nobody around me. Um, you just hear full fledged conversations, like yes, like me and you right now. Like if I were to like be ten blocks away, I could hear what we were saying right now. I don't know what was happening. I don't know if I was tapping into like different like I don't know what's happening. I really don't. All I know is that I was literally like hearing things, seeing things that weren't there. Um, also, I should. Well, mention, let me. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You said also you should mention. Go ahead. Oh I'm yeah, sorry, that I'm also like because I'm hallucinating. I can still like at times see the creature. Like I remember him. Like one time, like I kind of saw him in like the corner of my eye, like kind of like hiding behind a bush. And as soon as I turned, like it just like it left. But like at, like because I'm losing my mind, dude, and because um. There has to be something spiritual to that too, like you know, dark and spiritual. Um, I was I was very aware that it was a demon, and um, I, I was a very very aware. And even though I didn't want to admit it, because I was so much pride still, I, I knew that what I was doing was the cause of all this. Like I knew the new age, playing with the cards, you know, um, doing astrology, all that stuff. It's like you went. It's like you went too deep down yeah. the well. You're like. Yeah, this is not gonna work because I don't know what's gonna happen next. No, yeah, um, I know not to go too dark, but yeah, did you contemplate suicide around this time? You know what's crazy is I never actually had that thought, and it's a fair question because people ask that question all the time here in my testimony. But no, I never did. And here's like where I think the Holy Spirit and the grace of God came in. There's always this like very, very, very small voice the back of my head, even though it was very small, that was like, you're going to get through this. And like, you know what the answer is. We're just waiting for you. And you know, kind of like, I got chills right now. Like, you know, the whole, <laughs> like, you know, we're just waiting for you to reach out your hand so we can grab you kind of thing. Um, it was in the back of my mind. Cause, um, you know, even though I just had those demonic attacks, there was so much pride left. I was still so convinced that maybe I was just, um, maybe I had this weird thought that maybe, Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I'm just like playing with the wrong kind of new age, which is, I mean, it's all wrong. So don't play with any new age, but there's just so much of pride issue left. Well, the insomnia got so bad that not even the marijuana helped. So at this time, I'm actually off marijuana because it made, it actually intensified the hallucinations and stuff. So I'm off marijuana, but I can't sleep. So I find this wonderful little, actually I shouldn't say that, it's an awful little drug. Um, I find Xanax and Xanax for anyone who knows just completely knocks you out and that's all I needed I just needed to like I wasn't even getting like healthy sleep because you don't get healthy sleep um, on Xanax I don't think you get your REM sleep if I'm remembering correctly from my studies um, so I'm just doing it to like shut down and like go away because when I'm on Xanax you just black out and then you come mm. back to it and that to me was like oh yeah I slept and then I would wake up and think, okay, even though I would still kind of feel the presence of the demons around me and um, I was still in ways experiencing um, attacks and stuff, because I was on Xanax, um, all I cared about was like sleeping because I was just like not sleeping. Dude. I, I went like five days at one time, just not sleeping. I was losing my mind crazy. And also the thing about insomnia, I think it's after after 48 hours of no sleep, like time 
literally starts to slow down in your mind. So um, I feel like I understand the concept of eternity in a very like in a very uh, traumatic way because I remember there were times when I was like in my insomnia that I would be like it would feel like I was hours and hours and hours and hours in something doing something in a moment or in a thought of just like agony and pain. And I would turn my head to like the, to like the, the uh, clock or something. And it was like three minutes had passed by. And I'm like, how is that possible? I literally have been here. Like it felt like I've been here for hours and hours and you're telling me three minutes have gone by. It was complete agony. I just torture. It felt like it wasn't going to end. Like it, that's why I'm so like, so scared of hell, honestly, is because like, I feel like I, in a way, got a little taste of what that's like. Um, mm. got a taste of that. Um, and Xanax was the only thing that was like, okay, like shut down. Um, and I wasn't even getting healthy sleep, unfortunately, but it was the only thing, only thing that could just like temporarily pause it. But then I'd wake up and it would start all over again. Um, I don't know if you have any questions because I do want to segue to like the last part of my testimony. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Cool. So... I um, lost my connection, like the guy who was selling me Xanax. I honestly believe he got arrested um, and got caught up. So, you know, obviously the Lord was trying to like remove off, like remove the temptation and trying to like call me back to him. But I wasn't ready at that point. And I want to be honest to viewers, people listening. Um, during this time, I was getting very clear messages from what I can see now, the Holy Spirit being like, Jacob, like, you know what the answer is, like, it's Jesus, and you need to stop all this stuff, and you need to come back home, but I didn't want to listen to it, like, I was just so prideful, um, I just wasn't ready, like, I just wasn't, like, I was just, like, like, white knuckling everything I believed, because I was like, I can't, I don't want to, and this is why, really quick, my whole life, I have heard from people, um, because I came out as openly gay, my whole life, I I heard, you're going to hell because you're gay, and, you know, that's, <laughs> there's a truth to that, but it's not just, be, I'm not going to hell just because I'm gay. I'm going to hell because I'm a sinner. Um, that never computed with me. Um, so from my understanding and firecracker, just like fireworks just went off. So I'm sorry about that. You guys, it's 4th of July. It's the 4th of July. In LA. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, Oh my gosh, I literally lost my train of thought. I have ADHD, by the way, so I lose my train of thought. No, no, it's all good. Um, you said that all your whole life you heard that you were going yeah. to hell. Yeah. Go ahead. And um, so my viewpoint, even though I knew Jesus was the answer, the way I saw Jesus was I had this thought that he hated me. Like I literally didn't want to come back to him because not just a pride thing, but in a sense, I thought he really hated me. Like, I thought Jesus didn't love me. I thought he was really angry at me, um, like, really disappointed in me. Uh, like, the messages of, like, love and grace and mercy just weren't, I had never heard that before. Like, the gospel, I had never heard the gospel before. Um, so all I heard my whole life was, you know, God hates you because you're gay. And that's why you're going to hell. Just because you're gay. Not even the sinner part, just because you're, you're, you like guys, and that's what that's why you're going to hell. And that's why God hates you. Um so that's also at the same time keeping me like just distant from God. Even though I I know I'm getting all these messages, like literally I had so many signs like, hey, Jesus is the answer. No, I just wasn't ready. So I find out that you can get Xanax across the border in Mexico 
literally you can walk up to any pharmacy and be like, can I get Xanax? And they don't have any laws over there against that. So you can buy it. And Rocky Point was at the most two and a half hours away from my house. And I had a car at that time. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't know how I found out, but I found out and I started making probably like, it's so embarrassing thinking about this, but I would make trips to Rocky Point probably every weekend. And I mean, I, when I bought Xanax, I bought a lot. Like I bought like, like, um, quantities of like 30, 60, but, the, but within a week, dude, like I'm like back at Rocky Point. And, um, so there was a particular week, um, where, and I think it was the, the, the first week of May, 2017, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, or actually, no, I'm sorry, 2018, sorry, 2018. Um, I, uh, I was just, I was completely out. I was just like down spiritually. I was just like about to give up, not in the sense of suicide, but in the sense of like, just throwing my hands up and be like, okay, God, take over. Um, I remember driving down to, to Rocky Point, um, and I was really desperate. Um, not just because, um, I don't remember something happened. Like, I don't remember if like I lost my Xanax or like if, if, um, if someone had taken it, but like the Xanax I had gotten the week before was all gone. And, um, I was like rushing over to like Mexico cause I'm going through like the insomnia is back and I'm hallucinating again. And the time is slowing down and I'm freaking out. Like that whole eternity things freaked me out. So I'm like rushing over to, um, Mexico, which felt like an eight hour, like car ride. And it was only two and a half hours. So I get there and on my, like on my way over to Mexico, um, there were just many signs. I don't know if anyone's ever driven from like Phoenix to Rocky Point, but there's a lot of signs like physically on the road that are like, mm-hmm. this is the way, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus is the answer. Like literally like, oh, wow. Face as I was driving to, um, to Rocky Point. So I get to Rocky Point, um, you know, get my, get my drugs, do the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> I took two Xanax full of full, full bars. And that's just, that's too much. That's almost like I should be dead. Um, and not just that, but I drank half a bottle of tequila and mm. I am, you know, very stupid, naive. I'm driving like across the border somehow, some way I make it across the border by the grace of God. I don't know how. So I'm driving. Um, I, I remember getting past the border and this is where it's kind of foggy because this is where I'm starting to black out because of the alcohol and the, and the drugs. I just remember like, like crying out to God. And I had, like, I just remember, um, there was a lot of anger and a lot of like tears and I'm saying things like, how could you, like, if you really love me, you'd prove it to me. Like, you know, like, I don't want to come back to you because you hate me. Um, you know, stuff like I was just sharing my heart, you know, and you know, God can handle it. He, you know, he can meet me where I am. And I just remember being really honest, just like spilling my heart out to God, almost like literally crying out for him. Mm-hmm. I black out. And um, this is where things are foggy because, man, I was really, I was out of it. Um, the next thing I remember um, is when I'm like coming to, like I'm kind of snapping back to reality. I'm so fading in and out. Um, but like I can see sirens. I see police lights. I, I remember the policeman like asking me for my um like my name. 
I, I black out. And then I, when I wake up, I'm in a prison cell waiting for like uh, my mom, my sister to come get me. And then I black out. And then now I'm on the side of the road. Um, and this is where it gets weird. I remember looking at my car um, and it was like completely just like torn to pieces. I guess what happened was I blacked out and I veered off the road and my car had like flipped two times. And um, like if I wish I had pictures, but like the, the trunk of my car, I had a Nissan Versa, so it's really tiny. It wasn't the biggest car, um, but like the whole trunk was gone. Like it, it, like it was like shredded. All the windows were like smashed. The airbags were all off. Um, I just remember being like, this is not my car. Like, because here I am like completely okay. I, I had no broken bones. Like, um, you know, I'm I, just nothing missing. There's no body parts anywhere. Like I'm alive and I still have scars on my wrist, but I only came out with three scars. Um, so here's where it got weird. Um, I remember coming back to Phoenix a, a few days later um, when things started to kind of like get clear for me, um, we meet a lawyer because I had to get a lawyer. I was getting sued, you know, obviously I was, I was being charged with a DUI and I'm getting a lawyer and the lawyer had just got off the phone with um, the officers um, and he was like, he had a very strange look on his face. Like he didn't believe it. So he kind of looked at me and he's like, can I ask you a question? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, um, <laughs> He was like, how, how did you get out of your car? And I didn't understand what he said. I didn't, I didn't get the context. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, when we opened your, like, when we opened your door, the seatbelt was still on. So they were like, how did you get out of your car? And why is the seatbelt still on? And how are you okay? Like your car is like, it's like your car is gone. Your car is just in pieces. Um, like, how are you okay? Like, how are you here right now? How'd you get out of your car? And I, I remember being like, I don't know what to tell you. And in the back of my mind, I started getting these, like, realizations that, like, divine intervention. Somehow, like, God, I don't know how he did it. Because, I mean, I was blacked out. But, like, pulled wow. me out of my car during that wreck. Somehow, I don't know if he sent an angel or something. I don't know. God, only God knows. Maybe I'll find out on the day. I see him again, but I don't know how he, yeah. but he pulled me out of the car. Um, and when the police found me, I was actually like, um, like 10 feet away from my car, but face down on the ground, um, but completely okay. Like no bumps, no bruises. Like my body was completely intact. Were you in the middle? Were you in the middle of nowhere? Middle or? of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. I was actually in, um, I, Oh, I can't remember the city, but if the city right outside Rocky Point, if you cross back into Arizona, it's a really, you know, small, dinky little <laughs> Pueblo looking place. There's nothing out there but desert and rocks and stuff. And that was the paradigm shift in your life. That was the first one. The first one, that's when I knew that God was real and he saved me. But here's the thing, though. I still thought he hated me. So because of that. I wasn't ready to like, I hadn't accepted the gospel. I knew Jesus was real and I could see it like plainly. Um, I was like, but at the same time, I wasn't, I hadn't like, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. I didn't know. I still thought he hated me. It wasn't until, gotcha. go ahead. 
if you're gonna ask no, me. No, I said gotcha. I was, I was listening. <laughs> um, so it's about maybe a month into um after this whole happened. And I should say also that um by the grace of God, God is just so amazing. I actually ended up not getting a DUI. Um okay. this is even crazier. Like um the guy who had arrested me, um, he failed to turn on his like camcorder on his on his uh on his dashboard and on his like uh I think he had one on his chest or something. They are both off. So he had no evidence of arresting me. He like the blood sample or like I don't know if it was blood or urine sample they took from from the car because I was on Xanax, right? Um, they lost it. Like they literally like took it to like the lab and the lab was like, we don't know what happened. We don't have his results anymore. So I got away with reckless driving, even though I should have gotten a DUI and I should be in jail right now because mm-hmm. I was also carrying illegal narcotics. And that's a very hefty jail time right there. So by the grace of God, I'm completely free, you know, um, not just physically, but like I'm free from like any legal implications, you know, I'm not in jail. Um, so, you know, I'm starting to realize little by little, all these miracles are kind of like pointing me toward like, okay, okay. Like God, maybe you are, there's something to that, but I wasn't ready yet because at this point, I think what was keeping me back was the trauma, like the, the, the demonic attack when it happened, he specifically told me that he wanted my soul because I was gay. And I still had this thought that Jesus, even though like he did all that for me, he still hated me. Like I still had that. So it was, it was pushing me back. Like it kept me from coming to him. Thank God that, um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of new ex new agers listening to this will know who she is. Um, but I, I had this, like the Holy spirit told me, Hey, watch this woman's testimony. Her name is Doreen Virtue. Um, she had just recently come out of the new age and she was a Christian and something told me you need to watch her testimony. Um, I will be honest and just say this to anyone listening. And I know Doreen, if you were listening, like you would correct me too. Um, her theology was very off at that time. She was just converted. So she's taking that testimony down. Um, but, you know, God being sovereign, he used it for my good. So in this, um, in this, her testimony, she specifically stops kind of in the middle of it to kind of like directly talk to the LGBT community because she had mentioned that she had friends and loved ones in that community. And like I said, her theology was, was really off. Like she was just saved. Like, I think she was just saved like a month before that or something, two months before that. So it's like, she was a baby Christian. Um, you know, so, so, um, off that milk or whatever that, that Bible verses. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so drinking milk, not solid food yet. So what she says in the middle of it, she kind of stops and I remember like, um, like her looking at the camera and she has this like mother energy about her. And that's something that's like always um, resonated with me because I've had such an amazing mom and my mom has been nothing but loving to me. So when, when I, when I feel that and I, and I see that it's so much easier for me to like, listen to whatever they're saying, because I'm like, okay, I don't feel threatened. So she comes, she kind of just starts, um, she, she gets very affectionate during this part. And I could tell like she kind of like, you know, got all like, let me just say something. And then she stops and she's like, and if there's anyone in the LGBT community, and I'm just going to say it, she, it's the way she said it. It's just like, I needed to hear it this way. She looks at the camera and she's like, and this, if there's anyone 
anyone who is gay and you think God hates you. And she like, the way she says it, she goes, honey, God does not hate you. She, he loves you. He love, love, loves you. And like, that was the first time I had ever heard that like Jesus loved me. Of course, she continues on um, to kind of talk about how she believes homosexuality is not a sin. She's repented for that. And, you know, I thank her for that. She's corrected it, taken down her testimony. Um, but at that moment, the Holy Spirit was able to buffer that message for me. So what I heard was, God, like, honey, God loves you so, so, so much in spite of you being gay. Like, and that was the moment, like, I just broke down crying. I literally, at that moment, was like, yes, Jesus, I accept you. And I literally felt like, I think I, if I remember correctly, I just felt like the Holy Spirit drop into me. And I, it was, it was confirmation to me because I had like four or five revelations that were like, boom, 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 boom. Like right when the Holy Spirit dropped, I had these like revelations. The first one was Jesus really is the son of God. Like he is the son of God. He's not an ascended master. The new age tries to make him like this man that tried to like reach enlightenment and stuff. No, he is the son of God. Um, second one I had was the Bible's real. It's infallible. Everything in it is completely true. Third one I had was hell is real. And it's a place of eternal punishment. And the, the, the things that I were experiencing were completely demonic. And the fourth one, and it was kind of weird because Doreen kind of had the same rev like revelation too. And I watched her video. The fourth one was kind of like, people are going to be so pissed at me <laughs> when I start talking about Christ because I was still in the new age. And I was a pretty, I'll be honest, not to, not to talk myself up, but I, I was a pretty avid astrologer. I was making good money off of that and had a good client base. And at that moment I was like, I'm going to piss a lot of people off by what I've been saying. But um, yeah, so just in that little moment. Uh, and you said the, the fifth one. What was the fifth one? Oh, um, maybe it was four or five. I don't know if I said four or five because I can't. I think you said maybe. I think you might have said five, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but if, if you if four is what you got, that's that's cool. Right. For um, for the sake of time, um, I think that's really an amazing uh, testimony. Yeah. And um, I remember asking you, um, you know, just winding it down. Mm -hmm did you ever think about suicide? And when you were yeah. talking about that car ride, I think that was your suicide attempt. And maybe you could have, maybe not thinking, Hey, I'm going to do this, but just the other extreme, maybe of just not caring what happens to you. You know, it's just yeah. like, yeah, you know, I don't care. You know, yeah. <laughs> it is just like, what that? so, you know, and, and honestly, I, I don't, I haven't studied this much, Yeah, but, um, that could be a, a form of suicide of not caring what happens to you. I'm going to just yeah. go down here and I don't really care. It's not like, Hey, I'm going down here. So something bad can happen to me, right. but I'm not avoiding it. And you know, and I'm accepting it too. So yeah. um, it's, that's, 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 that's wow. But <laughs> Jacob, yeah. Thank you for coming on. Uh, this you. has been an amazing show. Um, and thanks for sharing your story about your father, um, how it's impacted your life. Um, just one last question. Of course. 
this new journey you're on, how has that shaped the way you view fathers, uh, men and fathers right now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Obviously, the first answer is kind of like, you know, um, a no-brainer, but having a dad is completely necessary. It's like vital to every child's well-being. Like, I, I'm... Those, those things that um, the LGBT community wants to make people think that you can have two fathers or two mothers, like you don't need one or the other. You don't need both. You can have, you know, a mix or match. It's not true. Like you need your father. Your father is completely vital to your well-being. Um, also becoming a Christian, I realize that fathers are always going to fall short, no matter how hard they try or if they're around. And the real father the one that loves you the most and the most important relationship that you're ever going to have is with your father in heaven. That's like, even if you aren't in the LGBT community, everyone in a way is experiencing like father wounds. This is what the world needs is we need father healing. The only way you're going to get it is by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Father's Table, an introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives.